man is an overused statement. Sometimes it's looked at as a negative, as a positive. In professional wrestling, it is a positive for the most part. Professional wrestling, as Larry Zabisco, are like Jedi masters. The longer you do it is when you become more masterful at the skill. I'm talking with someone here who, in my opinion, is becoming more and more of a master every day, transcending from in the ring to commentary to being a trainer in the tri-state area and someone who, in my opinion, is one of the most entertaining talents and unsung heroes in not just the tri-state area, but the country. Ladies and gentlemen, the following conversation is scheduled for one fall. My guest at this time, Colossal Mike Law. Hey, Shane, thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely, man. This is a pleasure. Uh, I kind of got, uh, which I'll say often as you see more episodes of this in this uh, conversation podcast, whatever the hell it is I'm doing, I got the Stone Cold Syndrome with The Undertaker. You know, I know you, but I don't know much about you. You know, I know you for a long time, <laughs> but I really don't know you. You know, type of thing right. going on. Um, besides the fact that we could pass for cousins if we stood next to each other. That's true. Um, so, I, I, how many years now have you been wrestling? So I started training in '98 in Best Eye, Brooklyn. Uh, so that was 15 years old. Uh, I would say my pro debut was back in 2000, 2001. Um, That's a big gap. So, yeah, it's a huge gap. Well. Let me just tell you, and this is a bit, this is something I get into as far as. I mean, like, I love modern wrestling. It's not, a, but the idea that opportunity wasn't just given to you, like, oh, you're gonna train for six months, you're on. You know, it wasn't yeah. like that. You know what I mean? You really had to bust your ass back in that time. Uh, so yeah, there was a big gap between me starting in '98 training and me wrestling professionally. It's because it wasn't just given to you. You had to earn. You had to get your ass kicked. You had to kick ass. And, you know, it was definitely a different era of doing things. Uh, but all, just to answer your question, so 23 years, uh, this past, well, this coming August, it'll be 23 years. Jeez. This may it's sound like a silly question, but in that gap from when you started to your first match, did you do things such as ref, ring crew, uh, pick up jackets, timekeeper? Did you do all those things that, predominantly you will do in your training right man ring crew and, and <clears throat> when i tell you i don't, listen i know i've gotten stronger throughout the years but i'm telling you the ring that we had in arena puerto rico was built in 1973 or something like that i mean it was a stiff ring but i remember was it made of wood it was made of a lot of things but i do okay specifically like just everyone talking about it being a very stiff ring because it wasn't like you could just go in there you know, it had the um, spring in the middle, and which was like a death trap for a lot of people. Like once they started doing the flexi beams, that became a lot better for the ring and for the talents yeah. and the wrestlers. But ring crew setup, breakdown, ring, you know, bring the ring up and down the stairs to a venue, whatever. Um, it was just, a, you know, the norm. Like it was just paying your dues you know i tweeted a few weeks a few weeks a few days ago know the difference between paying your dues and being taken advantage of and um i think and i want to know that and, and say that i was definitely brought up the right way i don't believe that it was i was 15 years old when i started training professionally i couldn't wrestle in the state of new york anyway because you needed yeah. a license at that point and i didn't have my first paid pro match until i was like uh 18, I want to say. I was, it was in New Jersey, yeah. NW Pop. Um, wow. <clears throat> way back when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember, and I had this conversation with, with a future guest of mine, uh, with Gino Caruso. Like, 
I consider myself a fair student of the game, not just of pro wrestling, but of the independence. So the quote that I always go back to is from Mick Foley that there was an era where we were all marks for the magazines. So yeah. there were a lot of tri-state feds, predominantly New Jersey, that made the magazine inside <laughs> wrestling, PWI. So anytime yeah. a fed gets thrown at me and it hits the magazine psyche, I'm like, oh yeah, because I would hear these things. Like that's how I discovered uh, Metal Maniac. Metal Maniac was the in Metal PWI, <laughs> right? Metal Maniac was in PWI in like 95 and 96. And I remember the writing was so brilliant because they hyped this up as this incredible feud with Jimmy Snuka, who at that time obviously <laughs> hadn't, you know, the last big feud he had was Morocco 10, 15 years prior. Right, right. So, but, you know, I would hear these things and not realize how close I was to wrestling. Because when you're a kid, you think, oh, WWE's coming to town and that's it. But what you don't know is that that weekend, someone's going to be out, you know, bumping and grinding for you. Well, bumping and grinding in one way, but then there's also wrestling. But, um, <laughs> yes, uh, with consent. Um so, yeah. so here's the thing. You've been training for that long, and now you yourself are a trainer um, at, at the fallout. What's that like? Did you Were you a guy like, I don't want to be a trainer. Like, what am I going to teach these kids? Did you like, oh, does that mean I'm done? How were you approached? Because that's it's also a huge compliment. I know Jim, Joe Kim back when he was an editor. He's always been very nice to me. He's always been very wonderful. Um Let's talk. Let's talk that. Were you like? Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Where were you when you were asked? I, I will say that the first thing, and I, I'm not going to speak on. I'm speaking solely on my psyche and my my behalf. That the mentality is that if you get asked to be a coach, is that wait, am I like? Does that mean it's over for me? Like, is this this yeah. like this is moving on in and out of the spotlight? You know, and I will say that that I had been asked by a few places to be a trainer and a coach. Um, but I also felt like I had not, even now, like as, as much as I've, you know, people are like, oh, you've done some cool things, you know, you've wrestled some great talent, you, you know, you've wrestled in, in three different countries and blah, 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 and all these, you know, accolades. Um, I still don't feel that I've accomplished a lot of things that I want to. Cause I, I don't, that's the mentality of somebody who just always wants to win. And I don't think it's a sure. bad thing. You're never satisfied. You know what I mean? Like, um, but with that being said, I, that was the mentality I had. I thought, like, oh, wow. Like, when Joe Kim asked me, uh, he goes, he, I remember him saying, how, how far do you live from Long Island City? And I thought he was, I thought, honestly, I thought he was to book me for Battle Club. Because Battle Club, back when it was owned, I think by Carl Saristi originally. That's, had, what, that's who I remember Yeah, owning, owning it before Joe Kim got involved, sure. And I either – I don't know what this – I I was booked for a Battle Club show. It may have been the, when Joe Kim took over, but I had double booked myself in Ohio like an idiot. <laughs> and I couldn't make that event. And I think that – Subconscious I, you know, mistake. Right. And sometimes you make these kind of like – you put these scenarios in your head. And you're like, oh, wow, does that mean – you know, like after I was – I wasn't booked after at all by Battle Club. And so when he approached me Oof. about it, I was like, oh, this is kind of rough. Like – so you want like I just thought it was like it, my mentality was like so I'm not good enough to be on the event, but I could be a co you know I, I I didn't take it I didn't take it the way Joe Kim I, knowing in my heart and soul yeah and being yeah. being as close to him as I am now and like, was it through text? It was through I threw it was through a phone call. It was through a phone call. Oh okay, because I was just saying uh, if it's through text, that's the worst to talk about any office positions. 
I think initially it was a text and then we got on the call together. Uh, but let me just tell you, man, uh, I, again, I had been offered at least two to three other times to be a coach places. And I did oh. not feel at that time that I was ready uh, or wanted that to be the case, you know, and I also wanted the reputation of somebody that I think, in my opinion, has a great reputation, Joe Kim Morales. And I, and specifically for the type of talent that we work with. And I think that's something that to me, that really spoke to me uh, a lot. And I'll tell you, man, it's been a great time. I'll say that it's been one of the most rewarding things that I've done in my entire career has been able to coach talent that are, you know, starting to make a headway for themselves. You know what I mean? And um, it, it, that's what it is to me. It's like, it's, I guess part of my mom, she was, she was, she wanted to be a teacher and she, she taught like Sunday school. And stuff like God that. bless her. And yeah, thank you. And, and uh, I think that part of that is what lends, you know, to my experience now in, t in training and teaching along with fellow coach ref, Stephen Dumang, uh, who also helps a lot. He's got a great mind for this thing. My buddy, my buddy clown shoes, who I love, <laughs> who I love. Have, do you know that story? I don't. What I, I maybe, but I, you know what? We so were riding back. Oh gosh, it's <laughs> it's me, it's Stephen Dumeng, me, AJ Pan, and what a car Chris Shady, and Chris Shady Torres, <laughs> which is the which is the car load, right? That is a car uh, load. Coming back from an upper limit wrestling show in the summer of twenty twenty one, I think maybe twenty two. And we're coming back, and we're driving from this town from, uh, oh, God, what uh, Boonton, New Jersey. Boonton. And we're driving back Boonton. from Boonton. And uh, so we're driving back, and we're, and of course, in the car ride, AJ's like, come on, let's go to the bar. Let's go to the bar. Let's go to the skinny. Come on. And I'm oh. trying to, like, I'm trying to go home because I, 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 summertime, I'm already wiped. I'm like, nope, I'm going home. I'm going home. He's like, come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. I said, hey, he's like, come on, Steve's gonna go. I bet you I get Steve to go. No, no, uh, uh, uh. If Steve goes, <laughs> you have to go. He lives in Long Island. So you, so Steve is like, you're not gonna go to the bar. Come on, I'm going to the bar. You know how he's like, his sales pitches, he screams at you. Yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. I'm never here. You gotta go to the bar. So now, now Shady, who, who lives in my neighborhood, also is like, all right, if you go, I guess I'll go. So we agree. All right, whatever. Drive. Go to the bar. Just drive. If not, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. We're like five blocks from the bar in the Lower East Side, and we're crossing we're crossing Grand Street, and some guy just turns in front of your brother, just comes, clips him off, tries to catch a light, and turns illegally oh, as we're crossing, and. For some reason, don't ask me why this is your brother's response. He comes out and he goes, hey, what the fuck is your problem, Cloud Shoes? <laughs> so, so the car, the car goes. How did he know the kind of shoes the man was wearing? The car goes from immediate worry and danger to the biggest pop at Cloud Shoes. Who the fuck says that? That's great. Yeah, yeah so, so. Uh, Steve doesn't say it anymore, but me and AJ will all the time. Hey, stupid! Hey, cloud shoes! You know, yeah. That you know, because it, it, your brother got hot. That, right? That's the other part. That your brother got hot. He's like, fucking guy cut in front of me. Was he fucking stupid? And then eight is like with two O's. Yeah, fuck him, cloud shoes. <laughs> it, just, it just went off into this rant, oh, and I said, great. well, 
I said, okay, I guess the first round's on me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys made it safe. But I just think it's funny. Like, how did he know what kind of shoes that guy was wearing? Uh, yeah, that's, that's you, know, you know that and road rage to go right to a to a PG insult like cloud shoes is. I think it was just to calm the mood. Like it, was, it got really serious. I think it was his way to be like, okay, we're good, we're safe at least. I don't know, maybe. No, he said he said that shit too quick, man. It was too quick and too. <laughs> he, he literally, hey, what the fuck, cloud shoes? Like it's just so. <laughs> it was as if he was waiting to say it all day. Probably, probably. You know, noise um, Yes, yes, my buddy Uncle Steven. Um, along your classes, when did you kind of get that selfish, like, oh, oh, I could do this? Because not everybody's a great teacher, not just in general. Forget wrestling. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's when the students themselves, the trainees, were like kind of giving that like positive feedback. You know what I mean? Like. Um, I'm, I'm very, like, I'm a very open person when it comes to that relationship. You know what I mean? Like, I think to me, like, I, I need to know, like, if you guys are not learning or not getting it, you know, like, what, what do I need to do to make sure that you do? You know what I mean? Like, I'm very hard on myself with that sort of thing. And I think, you know, that's like, listen, I I look back and I, I look back at, when I was younger, I wasn't a great test taker. I wasn't the type of person, like, I would go into panic mode because I'd be like, oh, we got 40 minutes to complete this test and it's like 100 questions. Like, how the hell? You know what I mean? There were times I'd be yeah. like, second to last person out, you know? And it wasn't because I lacked the intelligence. It's just because maybe things took me a little longer to learn, you know? And sure. I, I do know that in retrospect, there's probably things that I wasn't aware of or was, you know, I wasn't like, I, I will never, I, I may have had some sort of um, inability not to pick things up quickly. But when mm. I did, I did them very well. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with wrestling, dude. I can't tell you that when I started wrestling in 98, so many people came, went and, came and gone. But then guys like Quiet Storm came through and mm. he picked up like like quick, dude. Like he, Like that guy was destined to go to Japan because... Just everything he did was that style. And then, you know, he just picked it up quick. And I was just so envious because I just, you know what I mean? It took me a lot yeah. longer to get You, you know what else too, when you're, when you're training for wrestling. Right, right. You don't, you don't want to realize, you do not realize until you realize, as cliche as it sounds, but here's, the, right. here's what I'm getting at. You don't realize until you realize how much of it is repetition. You it think is, it, that. you that. think Absolutely immediately that. tackle, drop down, body slam, whether it's the drills, the moves, the holds, you're going to get that right away. The move you want to do the most is often the move you can't even pull off. <laughs> you know? That's why I tell somebody, guys, it's like, it, it, you're exactly right, man. And, and I didn't get that. I was a very, I was stubborn, but I, I the, the training, the system today in most schools, and I'll say this about the fallout because yeah. – I, I would say, you know, all the coaches kind of lend their flavor of how to do this thing. And that's the beauty of pro wrestling. Like, like whether it's the way Masha Slamovich trains or whether the way it's Steve Pena trains or Prince Ahmed or Steve or I, you know, or Kira or Horisanti, like um, all these people like have their method to how you can go about doing things. And it's yes. and that's my mentality. It's like, listen, um, I've always said, as long as it looks good and no one gets hurt, we're in a good point. We're going to be in a good spot. But um, I also realize that 
in the upper echelon of the business that there are things that are going to be done a certain way that need to be yeah. uh, brought to everyone's attention. So there's that. But yeah, I'm I, in confidence once I got feedback, you know, and I and I, I just felt good. I felt like you feel like kind of like when you have a great match, it's like you you leave it all out there and it's like you, you don't have to ask anybody. You just feel it. You go. Yeah, you're going to know. You're you going to know. know. And then you're going to know if it's like if it's just okay, if it's a stinker. Yeah. For some reason, you might go out there and do a four star and you'd be like, you sure that was good? It just it, it's us as performers. And being our own self-critics, you know, we might get the standing O and then we might come back like, that sucked, right? And everybody's like, you shitting me right now? You know? Listen, man, I'll say this, and this is a weird thing to say, but I have had the worst time watching my... I can't watch myself back. It's a weird... It's a very weird thing. You like, have to. I'm telling I was you... The wor- I was the worst at that for years. I have the worst... I, I, I have the anxiety. Maybe it's anxiety, but I just don't... I don't know. I will pick apart everything. Like people, like here's what I've advice I've given to younger talent: find two people, find two people that are going to be fair and honest with you with both the yeah. good and the bad stuff. Like if it, it shouldn't be complete, like hey, you know, I was shit, and you need to do this, blah blah blah. Like yeah, it could be some yeah. Hey, oh, that was really good, and this could be better. Like find two people that are just going to be honest with you and not yes you to death and make you think that everything you do is excellent, but also people that are going to tear you apart every time you, you, yeah. you watch your match. Um, and for me, those have been Steve, ref Steven Dumang and Azrael. Like, I think those two guys, you know, Azrael's been all over the place. As you know, he's, in my opinion, one of the best out there, man. And he's completely signed. Um, with his love experience, everywhere he's been to Japan, Germany, etc. Ring of Honor. My brother Steve, who's ref with some of the best talents uh, out there. You know, I just think they're very fair with me, you know, without being a complete burial. Because uh, yeah. I'll bury myself, dude. I'll say it. Like, if my hair is out of place in a match, I'll bury myself. If my gear is, like, rolled off, I'll, you know, like, I'm just, there's something in there that needs to be, like, a perfectionist. And I can't tell you the amount of times, Cheyenne, that I've not yeah. sent a match or sent a clip out there because I even a little thing was off. Like my tape was hanging out, you know, like funny. And like that's a weird shit, but it's it just it's really No, I get it. I, I could tell you this. I mean, not not to just talk and shop. I was like that for many years, especially when I first started. Right. But there are times like point, by the way. So I'm not oh, well, just, thank you. But like just but like so I have this great voice, right? A lot of announcers do right now especially in in the indies but so much of what i do is verbiage right like i talk for a living right for wrestling so yes you'll get the feedback but we're not we have the luxury of not getting it in the headset right right so (laughs) for for in my eyes at least i have to watch it back even if it kills me because now it's like oh i caught it gotcha gotcha because now depending on the wrestler no matter who i pick you're gonna get one or two things, man. I love the commentary your match. It was uh, it was so good, but it might have been good for your match. And then I might get the feedback for another match, like, yeah, man, you tuned me out. You know, I wasn't invested. A wrestler does not want to hear. Well, the match had no storyline. I did the best I could. I kind of had to present to you what was presented to me. You know, you you have to hear yourself back because the same way you're gonna get the feedback 
you're gonna like, oh shit, I should I shouldn't have done that, or I could have done this. So at I, least for for my end, I recommend it. No, absolutely. Listen, I I tell, <laughs> believe me, I am. There are certain things where I'm like, listen, I like. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, something as simple as hitting the ropes, right? Like, right. I was taught to hit the rope top, top rope hand, like the right hand on the top rope. You know, sure. be the back, the upper meaty part of your back to the top rope. Um, Sky came into the states and started doing it where you take that left hand and you put it on the second rope in case the top rope snaps and you yeah. have something to hold on to. So that was something that he kind of introduced, and you see a lot more these days than you bet you did back in the day. Um, I don't, I don't subscribe to that, but that that's the way I I wasn't trained that way. But I understand the mentality as to why that makes sense. And so yeah. I tell people, I go, listen, uh, certain people, some your coaches will run the ropes that way. If that's the way it's supposed to be with them, then that's the way it is. But with yeah. me, you know, I say do both. Just so that we have a little bit of an idea of how this makes sense. You know what I mean? And I'm going to that sense when, when even though I don't do it that way, I've told same thing with viewing your matches. Watch your matches. Just dissect them. You know, see what yeah. it is that could be done better. Well, you know, everything from the look to your entrance, all that stuff. Um, but I give it to you and I give it to, you know, the good commentators because unfortunately there's a lot of terrible ones out there. And I'll be the first one to say it, man. Like, I I don't deal with it a lot today, but I've been in situations where the commentators just completely put themselves over yeah, and not yeah. over the talent of the match. Yeah. I, I just don't get that, dude. I don't get it. Like, this is your job is to help enhance the pe- the, the talent that the fans are paying their money to yeah. see. And you're too busy putting yourself over, burying people. Like, I remember one time in Canada, this was a few years ago, the guys completely, like, fucking buried me, dude. Like, I... I, I, I you told me that. This was, like, right before or right after the ECWA viral thing, right? Uh, this was before the ECW when the chair thing, but this was like this was probably this was probably before the pandemic. Uh, well, it definitely was before the pandemic. Yeah, because you told me the story in the car, the 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 one of the two times we rode together. Yeah, and it, and it was like, like, dude, if for those of people who don't know, like, yes, Colossal Mike Law, the the uh, persona, I used to say, it is considered himself six feet seven. Sure. Inches tall, right? But then in reality, I understand my my limits as far as my stature. But there's no reason to constantly like bombard the audience with right, like right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we fucking get it. They're, they're not blind; they can see what they're seeing. And I just thought that they went to the well too many times, and um, that was just obnoxious, man. I go, dude, you guys suck. And then uh, I didn't know who it was. I, I didn't know. I didn't know the guys and anything like that. But I, if I had watched it you know or, you know this was going live this was going live to tape this wasn't being this was going on to the, the tv program that night um or it was it that match aired live on youtube sorry and then the rest of the show aired on their tv station um okay. i definitely would have called those guys out because i know like, like what the fuck are you guys doing yeah you know like, yeah you have, i mean like, you have one job but, you know. i feel like look i get it uh I'm only in the Indies. I have more TV experience than people know, but I don't like saying that because people get offended with credibility, but that's my thing. Um, 
as a commentator, I feel like you get over by getting everybody else over. It's not it in my opinion, it's not. Yeah, I I add humor, I add wit, I, I do the innuendos, I'm a funny person, I do bring my personality to the table, but my personality is not the forefront of that table. The the forefront of the table is whatever's presented to me in an eight or nine match card format. Right. And I have to facilitate that within the best of my abilities, whether the match does or doesn't have a story. If I have to create something, if it's two people for, for the first time debuts, there's a lot of source material. Sometimes on the Indies, unfortunately there isn't, you, you do have that. That's a, that's the luxury that WWE has and AEW. There's always source material. Sometimes there's not for us. There's not. Um, but that, that's the thing I'll tell you is like, to me as a commentator, you'll be okay if you get everyone else over, we're still live by, you know, but that's my opinion. I'm sure there's people that, that, that disagree with that. Some of which you work with. I, whatever. Um, it is what it is. Now I want to, I want to get into to some factoids here specifically about BCW recombination wrestling. Uh, right. first of all, uh, it's not going to look the prettiest, but bam, boom, there it is. High definition editing here. Let me, Go in. There you so go. It looks like I, know I like I'm that. Doing. You know what's funny? Like BCW, I love that 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 picture of you. That promo picture. I I think other than Battle Club one time, which I was looking through some old flyers and posters that I have in my basement. Um, that picture I I did not realize. You know what I mean? It's just one of those pictures that I just never really use, yeah. and I'm glad BCW. Uh, you know, picked the right one. Um, you know, just shout out to Brian deal. F who does uh, the graphics for Brian BCW is, and many, fact, many fans. And uh, definitely very, uh, a, 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 he's great at what he does. And so I'm happy that he's succeeding and, you know, hope to see him do more uh, down the line. But um, yeah, I mean, this is it, man. And this is, like, I think to me, it's like a culmination of a lot of things with BCW. Uh, well, well, let me, let me uh before we get to that, let me serve it up to you because uh I try to be as, as decent a journalist <laughs> as possible. Uh you go back to BCW all the way to its inception, uh 2016, yep. I believe it's third or fourth show in BCW Dangerous Intentions at the Elks Lodge, where you BC Negro part- was the was the guy at that point, wasn't he? That's right. Uh and that. that was a three-way tag team match, and um, you were part of the Pan Corps. Um, you were you were associated with um with AJ Pan. And here you are now because let's let's talk about your return, right? Let's right. just start there. The Mama Pan show. The the amount of pressure going into that alone. And that's like, oh, it's the main event. Like Yeah. Were you like were you yourself like if this is a one off, I'm I'm cool. Cause the match in and out of itself um <clears throat> was was it was special. Just like the evening. Yeah, um, yeah, that was my mentality, man. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm here to show my respect and love to not only you know Mama Pam but AJ himself. You know, like outside of the business aspect of things, although I don't necessarily, I know we don't agree a lot of things, man. And now I like that's not me. That's legitimately what it is. Like there are things that he does that I don't agree with. There are things that I'm sure that I do that he doesn't agree with. And sure, that's fine. But ultimately. It was to showcase 
the love and admiration and respect I have for, for Mama Penn, who was like my second mother, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, there was a lot of pressure, but like the mo no one's going to put pressure on me like I'm going to put on myself is what I'm saying. Like I could be anywhere and I, you know, and it's been great to have been able to wrestle in the, you know, for, at Ring of Honor, MLW, AEW, you know, and, you know, and get opportunities to wrestle in, in two or three super eights and, and all that stuff and debut for numerous companies. Like, but the pressure has always been from within, like, sure. you know, am I going to be able to top the levels that I know I can go to, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, it's a mental struggle more than anything, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that anyone who's, whether you've been a comedian on stage, whether you've been a, you know, a musician in concert, like that pressure to constantly outdo yourself or be at a level that you believe is, is acceptable. That's the pressure, man. And, you know, getting in the ring with a guy like Anthony Gango, like we both are very aggressive. I don't get, I, I get, I don't get the credit for being a heavy hitter, although both people in the Indies in the industry know that uh, I'm a pretty heavy handed. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I knew that going into that, that, that I wasn't going to leave that night without some sort of like marking or, you know, and then, you know, my lip got busted open uh, with the corner turnbuckle. Um, but I'll tell you right now, man, like I, the, the matches I have with going are like people don't realize the competitive nature of what we do because of how it's been bastardized. But that's that mentality of saying, I have to show everyone that whether it's the fans of BCW, but more importantly, like AJ and Anthony Cole and the people in charge, that this shouldn't be a one-off, that, that I am someone that you guys should value and yeah. should have consistently on top. Um, and I, I like, here's the thing, like I was always taught to be humble. And the problem with being humble in the wrestling industry is that if you're too humble, it doesn't really help you. Like you have to have, yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have an ego. You do you have to have a bit of an ego. And I was just brought up from a different mentality of like, give, give, give and not take. And I did it. I've done it for 23 years, man. And I'm just, I think my mentality has changed that it's not about that anymore. Like I've given my fucking life for this business, you know what I mean? Sure. And I've, I've gone and it, it all reads the same: sleeping in the car, driving fifteen hours for a ten dollar payday, come back home, work all. Like it's all, it's all. So, sometimes no payday because we came from that era. Sometimes, listen, I was talking to promoter about like, <laughs> about about promoter stiffing and walking out, and I go, listen, I am. I'm blessed because of the, this modern time. It hasn't happened. It happened yeah. once in DR, but then I got taken care of in the back end. But wow, that, yeah, it's that's another story. But okay, uh, I will say that I've given, 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 and and I think my issue in this point in time it goes: how much more does the fucking industry want from me, dude? Right. Like, how much more can I give before you guys start reciprocating? And it goes back to everything from this match with Daniel Alexander to BCW to like I talked to you before offline when I talk about like helping each other out like there's been a gap of people that I was like man I'll put I'll retweet this I'll share this and then it doesn't get reciprocated and I go you know I was always told don't expect anything 
Well, guess what, man? I kind of do expect something at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I think it's only like I think it is fucking fair. That it's if I'm sharing your stuff that you do the same for me, man, because that's how we all grow. But if if people want to eat and let others starve, then go do your own shit. I don't care. I, yeah, I, and wrestling. Wrestling can be like a relationship where you feel like you're giving your partner everything. And then what are you really getting back? You do have those moments where you look at wrestling that way. It, it is. Yeah. If, if you haven't experienced it, you if you haven't experienced it, you will at some point. You know, whether you're an announcer, a ref, a wrestler, or this or that. Wrestling is, in fact, like a relationship in that sense where there are times where you're like, I'm just pumping so much in and she doesn't notice me, you know, in that sense. But we digress because here's the thing. You come in for the Mama Pan show. You rock the joint. And then you get set to task to take intern Jerry to school. And you do exactly that. You humble intern Jerry. That allows him to then become accepted by the BCW faithful. But then you're set to task to lead the charge in tag team action featuring young intern Jerry and Daniel Alexander. And here we are now. Let's talk about that, which led to explosivity with you on the live mic. Uh. I don't even, you know, I, I think it all, you get it to a point. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about. Like you constantly give, give, give to an industry that sometimes is so willing to take and not give back that you get tired of that shit, man. And like this Saturday, it's all about that, man. It, it, it's when I, when I said that this Saturday is not just a statement, it's an indictment on this new generation of wrestlers. This is what it is. It's more important. Like for me, it's like I was brought up a different way, and I'm not saying it was perfect, but I also say that like the level of humbleness that we were instilled was way different. You know, sure. like a lot of cats walk around like, dude, like you, you just got to be delusional to think that you couldn't catch one if it, if it turned out to like happen to happen. And Dan Alexander is one of those guys that's like, he has a lot of energy. He, he's constantly on one a of, high. One of the best, know, one of the best new talents out there, Daniel Alexander. Uh, I won't even deny that. It, it, like when I tell you that I don't necessarily even have a problem with Daniel Alexander as a person, as a competitor, it, it, it's it's the idea of a da- Daniel Alexander. That idea of like let me let me get famous quick. That mentality of like let me just try to run over like that people. instant that I, instant gratification. That, you do you feel Daniel like, Alexander represents the the immediacy of the current generation? And, and it's mind-boggling because as quick as you get up there, it, it's very quick to go back. I've seen it time and time again. I've been through several generations of it happening. I've seen talent that were on top and then they get, get – and you never hear from them again. Right. And, like, Daniel Alexander has to realize there's levels to this shit, man. There's levels to this game. As I tell students, too, there's levels to what we do. And – I think for me, man, I just I'm done with giving, dude. I am so done with that shit. And now it's me taking, taking back what is rightfully mine, what I deserve. Like people are like, oh, you know, like how can you like how can you have an ego? How can you like uh not be humble? Dude, where has it gotten me? Where right. has being humble gotten certain people when I have like literally been good? Like I've always done business the right way. I've and my track record speaks for itself, dude. And if anyone ever has heat with me, that's heat they have on their own merit. I, I, I have been very respectful and I've always tried to accommodate everybody. But that has to end because 
unfortunately, you, you, you give people, you know, an inch, they take, they take, they take a foot. They take, you know what I mean? It's just like, I can't, do I you can't think, go off these do you, and I'm saying, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, no worries, no worries. as I'm, as I'm hearing it more, I'm trying to see it from, from your POV, especially following the six man tag team match where you was your initial interaction with Daniel. Do you think that Daniel underestimates you and perhaps your generation Yeah. as I a performer? Do you I feel as if, do you feel as if Daniel sees you as easy pickings almost? I mean, I hope not. I'm sure the shots <laughs> I caught him with in that brain buster would indicate different. Um, but if he, if he for a second believes that, then this Saturday is going to be a harsh reality check for him. Um, I don't like the fact, listen, I'm not lie to you, dude. I didn't even want to be there, bro. But I put on my game face and I showed up to do business and be ready because that's what I do, man. Like, I don't care when you, I listen, there've been times where I've been in terrible shape. There've been times where I've been in the best shape. There've been times that, I, that I've been injured. I have a fractured toe that, that I injured at the ECWA Super 8 in Philadelphia in 2019. And it's just acting up now. You know what I mean? Like I would have known that like this many years later, like it's hard to walk on this foot, but Ultimately, I, I when I go out there, man, I go out there with the intent of making everyone know that it's catch me now, see me now while you can, because who knows how long, you know what I mean? I could go another 20 years, but who's to say that I decide next year it's time to, to, to hang it right. up, you know right. what I mean? But Daniel Alexander should never rest on that. Like, I don't know, you'd have to be a complete idiot considering all I've done, like in the people I've wrestled and I've been in the ring with. Well, that goes back to my point from earlier. The one thing I will agree with is that I do feel as if newer wrestlers from 2020 to now, from that post-pandemic era, kids that were training in 2019 and such, they're students of the game, but they're not students of their environment. And I think that is a massive um, hindrance to their mentality, uh, training in the ring and day-to-day life, because if you can recite to me every single one of the WrestleMania main events, then you should be able to tell me the history of the company that you just asked to be booked for. Does that, you know what I mean? You should, you should know, like, listen, I, I'll say this, like, and I love Daniel Alexander as a performer. I think you two can low key have the show stealer low key. I really think it's possible. Just knowing your styles the way I do. I think it's very possible. And I think it's going to be the match that no one's expecting to be away. Um, but that's just been it too, man. That, that's another thing that I never understood. As many like matches where I've had, and it's, it's not knocking what you just said, but it's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have had throughout the years. It's like almost a surprise that Mike Law can have a fucking banger. It's like crazy. Like, dude, like just because, listen, there are times where I have not put stuff up because I go, I will tell you that there's things I go, ah. You know, I didn't like the way I looked or, you know, I'm just very self-deprecating. I'm very much, I'm a very, I'm a perfectionist, man. If something is off, yeah, it won't go online. It won't, I'm a very, like anything you see me do is something that I will say, hey, that's freaking good, man. You know, or like I said, I'll send over to Az. I used to say, send over to AJ and, and Steve and be like, yo, this is, what, is, what do you guys think of this? You know what I mean? And that's. That's the litmus test for me. But with that being said, like, dude, I've had bangers with plenty of people, man. Like, whether it was Joe Gacy. I wrestled Joe Gacy, you know, at, at BCW a few years back. And that was with fucking uh, food poisoning. Um, yeah. 
I remember that. Tier one. When I wrestled tier one, we had a four way with, with uh, Anthony uh, Green and 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 uh, MJF and Tony Depp and like I've had, you know, and, and even most recently at Battle Club, like I, I, it's just like it's very odd to me when people like have that mentality. Oh, Mike Law, what a great like, dude. <laughs> have you guys out there watching? Like, right. just because I don't regurgitate <clears throat> like twenty four seven doesn't mean that I haven't had. Like bangers, and I know that this guy can't, can't, can't consider himself like you know one eight hundred bangers, Daniel Alexander. But like, that's the competitiveness, man. That's the competitive mentality that I have. Like, I need to let everyone know that what you just witnessed wasn't a match; it was an event. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with Gang Going. Like, I, I'll, I'll probably show that to anybody. I think I think the biggest takeaway here in terms of your singles match with Daniel Alexander uh, for Breed Combination Wrestling is that. Daniel Alexander has to be aware that not only is Mike Law competing with Daniel Alexander, but he's competing with himself. I think that right there is the takeaway for that contest. I I can't stress enough. It's Brie Combination Wrestling. It is this coming Saturday, hailing from the Mecca, 106 Bergen Avenue, Richfield Park, New Jersey, Saturday, January the 20th. Doors at four, bells at five, and we're going to be there staying alive because welcome to 2024 welcome to the new year it's 1-800 bangers versus the king of the short kings the colossal one himself mike law my first guest on the following contest is not your last either for one goal i i sure as heck hope not i'm i'm really excited i'm so glad we got to do this i can't thank you enough for your time uh because i learned very early on in life when it comes to friends uh the the friend money's great but when they give you your time you know that that's when you know um i'm always rooting for you i'm always thinking of you um uh i always look to you for for advice and for and stuff like that i i i i gotta be a journalist i'm, I'm not pulling for anybody in particular but i am pulling for you too to steal the show even from the main event i'll put it to you like that that's that's where i'm at i, I don't want to hang my hat you know um <clears throat> doing it the best that i can but thank you so much. Mike Law, plug those social media outlets for everybody to go follow you. I keep it very simple here, guys. Colossal Mike Law on X. It's on Instagram. TikTok's a completely different thing for me. You're not going to be a lot of wrestling stuff, a lot more travel stuff there. Um, I am going to be opening up some online stores soon so I can sell some merch. Uh, but until then, you will get the chance to buy them at any upcoming events that I'll be at. Brand new merch. You know I always do that. I am the king of merch. Rob Kiljoy, I don't care what you're saying. I was I just going to say, hold on. I am the king of merch in the indies. Take that to the bank all day. And uh, I would gladly debate anyone on that one. Yeah. Uh, well, there's going to be no debate about it. You, you got to be there in Ritual Park this coming Saturday. Once again, the voice shout tease. That is the colossal one, Mike Law. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the voice shout tease. <laughs>